If you've been a copywriter for more than a few days, you've almost certainly been advised to read Eugene Schwartz's book, Breakthrough Advertising. It's listed on almost every list of the best copywriting books that I've ever seen. And it's true, this book is a must read, but it's probably not the first book that you should read about copywriting or marketing. It's a bit of a hard book to read and the concepts are a little bit challenging. Our guest for this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is Brian Kurtz, who along with Eugene Schwartz's wife makes that book, Breakthrough Advertising, available to the world. And he has recently created a companion volume called Breakthrough Advertising Mastery that makes Schwartz's book even more accessible for anyone who has struggled with the concepts that he lays out in the book. So we talked to Brian about that book, what he's been up to since we last spoke about a year and a half ago, and it's always great to connect with him. We think you're going to like this interview. But before we get to our interview with Brian, I want to introduce my co-host this week. She's our friend and A-list copywriter, Kim Krause-Schwalm. Welcome back to the show, Kim. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, you've been on the show a couple of times. We'll share those episodes at the end so we make sure everybody can come back and listen to it. You've also spoken TCCIRL a couple of times. Three or four times, yeah. Yeah, you've been a, an awesome friend to the Copywriter Club and uh, just getting your uh, ideas and feedback on the show, I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. Thanks. It's, it's weird to be in this role on the podcast, but I am excited. As soon as you said Brian Kurtz, you know, he is somebody that I have so much respect for. I've known him for many years. And uh, so, yeah, I'm happy to be here and hopefully I can add, you know, some value as well. Yeah. Knowing how close you and Brian are, we, it, it was just a no brainer to, to have you come and share some ideas. So thank you for that. So before we jump into the interview, let me just take a moment to remind you that this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Accelerator. It's not a course. It's a five month long mentoring program where we follow the acceleration formula to create the foundation for a profitable business that doesn't struggle. It doesn't struggle with things like pricing or packages or finding clients. You learn critical mindset strategies. You set goals, get accountability, dry, and, and dive into the business skills like positioning, pricing, creating client experiences, and getting yourself hired by the clients you want to work with. Most importantly, we'll introduce you to a curated network of copywriters who will help you get unstuck and build a business that lasts. The next round of the Accelerator starts soon. So get on the waitlist now at thecopywriteraccelerator.com. So um, I think we need to get on with this interview. Um, it was a great intro to that program. And I know a lot of people that have gone through it. And I think it's an excellent way to kickstart your copywriting career. But yeah, let's get on and hear from Brian. Just to catch people up, um, I'm still alive, which is a good thing. Um, had a near fatal stroke the day after my book over deliver launched, which taught me a lesson, which we talk about later, that, um, that you can launch a book anytime. Um, you can only live once. So you know, weighing those two things, it made sense to continue to live and not pay much attention to the book launch. And the book did well. It didn't, I mean, I wasn't never going to be a book, um, a New York Times bestseller anyway. So, you know, you, and you can always, you, book, book launches are forever in a way, especially if it's evergreen material, which my book is. So that was, that was April of 2019. Yeah. yeah. It was the year, year before yeah, COVID. So, yeah. Right, right. So it was April of 2019. And then the rest of that year, you know, I was really recovering. I mean, I didn't, I didn't miss a beat on my business. I still had Titans Mastermind. Um, I didn't know, I, I, I've, I always wanted to launch a virtual mastermind, 
And so in December, of, and then I started getting better. I went on my own little tour, my speaking tour in October. I did a GKIC event, was my first event. And then I, I went, I, I, I spoke at uh, Jeff Walker's launch con. So I got myself out, you know, after spending, you know, four or five months, not in hibernation, but kind of like just, you know, kissing the ground I was walking on and, and saying I'm alive and it's great. And, um, and, you know, and it wasn't like a, I didn't have a come to Jesus moment either. It was like, it's just that I always live my life day to day. But, you know, when you're faced with the fact that the, the neurosurgeon, when I went to see him two weeks after my stroke and he said, I'm surprised you're still here. Um, that kind of hit me with a, a not, jolt. Not the kind of thing you want your doctor to say to you. Uh. <laughs> yeah. He said it, and he certainly thought I'd be paralyzed or my speech would have been. And of course, my kids were hoping that my speech was gone, um, but that didn't happen. Um, so um, in, in late 2009, so I did those, those speaking engagements. I'm coming out of it. And in December of 2019, I launched Titans Accelerator. And the interesting thing is that, you know, I always said after the fact that I predicted the pandemic because um, I launched it as a virtual mastermind all on Zoom in December of 2019. Um, and I launched it, got 150 members. And in March, we were shut down. And so one of the things that I learned through all of that was that it's really good to have a virtual mastermind during a pandemic because um, my live mastermind be became virtual for a while too. But also it was interesting because it, it also taught me to over-deliver. Now my book is called Over-Deliver, but it taught me to over-deliver in a new way, which, and, and how that would affect renewals long-term. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm big on renewals. I'm big on the second order versus the first order. I'm not the guy that teaches copy, cold copy to cold traffic. It's much too frigid for me. I want to, I want to go to warm copy and and I want to go to warm copy, to warm traffic, to hot traffic, and renew renew people for their lifetime. That's where my business has always been at Boardroom, and it's always where my business is now. So the, the, one of the features of Titans Accelerator, when I launched it in December of 2019, was a, a one once a month live call with me uh, where I would do hot seats. I didn't even think I was going to bring in speakers or anything, but I guess I probably would have gotten to it eventually, but I was going to do hot seats discussions, just a, an open-ended, ask me anything, Q&A. Um, and I thought that would be enough. And, and so in March of 2020, all of a sudden I said, well, I'm home. I'm going to go to weekly calls. And so I went from month, monthly calls to weekly calls. I had nothing else to do anyway. And they were fantastic. It was like, you know, I already realized that Titans Accelerator was kind of what I was born to do. I mean, I was born to to connect people and contribute to people, but, you know, contributing not so much on zoom. Cause I did end up getting a lot of zoom fatigue as we all did, but it was very much in my DNA to, to do it virtually as well as, as live. And so the weekly calls, then I started getting guest speakers, all the guest speakers that were, you know, getting them on virtual is I, I got them live. I got Jay Abraham live, not bragging, but I did. I got, you know, Perry Marshall live. I, I'm not bragging, but I did. Um, I got Dan Kennedy live, but I got him on uh, video. Not He only comes on by phone, actually. He doesn't come on video. So what was interesting is that the weekly calls, and I promised right from the beginning that I, weekly calls would not be forever, that the pandemic would probably end maybe in six or seven years, and then we would no longer do, I, I didn't say that. I said, I said it, it would end before that. But we're not going to do weekly calls forever. But with the, when I went to like 
but then I, we're not going to go back to monthly either. So I, I built in an over delivery that was huge. And then I still had an over delivery, even when we came back to normal. And by the summer of 2020 or late, late in the summer or in the fall, I, I said, we're going to do at least two calls a month now. And sometimes I do four calls a month. And that's the nature of the mastermind now. And what happened was, lo and behold, I got really good renewal rates. Imagine that, you know? And so it was by accident. I mean, would, would I have gotten the same renewal rates if I had stayed with a monthly call? I don't know. I didn't test against it. But I, I do believe that, you know, and, and it's the kind of thing you over-deliver on that people, it's tangible. It's the, And even though I, I send out a USB every month with, all the calls of the month and a swipe of the month and stuff from the Titans vault from my masterminds. It's not the same because that, that piles up on their, on their, on their cabinet. But when you're live and you're being with people and you know that, cause you guys do TCC IRL, right? Um, and, and when you're in real life, it just makes such a difference. But when you're in real life on zoom during a pandemic, it's, it's a, it really added a lot. So I was getting on first year renewals. I didn't think I'd get 50%. And I was getting like close to 75%. And so I realized I had something here. And then I did a launch and I got the membership up to about 250 uh, through 2000, uh, 2021. And then I said, you know, I want to do more with breakthrough advertising. Those people who aren't on this call, uh, who haven't been on the previous calls might not know, but they probably all know, anybody who's following you guys, know that um, Breakthrough Advertising is one of the most important books for any copywriter. Actually, it's for anybody who wants to learn about human behavior, but it's it's copywriting, it's marketing, written by Gene Schwartz in 1966. Not one word has been changed in the manuscript that I sell. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's 100% relevant to today's marketplace. And so I have the exclusive rights to it. Uh, you can ask me how I got it, but that's not the important thing. But the, the important thing is that Gene was a mentor of mine. I knew him well. He wrote copy for me at Boardroom, for Boardroom, that is. And I made a deal for exclusive rights with his wife, Barbara, who is a wonderful woman. She can't believe the appetite for Gene's work right now. He, we've sold over 10,000 copies of Breakthrough Advertising uh, over the last four or five years um, at $125 a book. And it's, uh, and I think we've sold probably it's up to like 65 to 70 countries, which is just amazing. I got, I got my first order from Eleuthera or something. It was a country I never heard of. It's a, not Eleuthera, it's something else. It was, it's a country in between Spain and, and France, a little country. Andalusia. No, it wasn't Andalusia. Anyway, so I've sold books in, 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 you know, Mozambique and, and, you know, every, everywhere in the world. And it's just, um, it's just a blessing, you know, that I'm, I have this book. And, but then, of course, with every book, you wonder how many people are actually reading it. You know, you can, you can buy books. And if you look at my shelf here, I've got, I've got dozens and dozens of piles of books. I buy them. I look at them. I pick them up once in a while and read a chapter or two. But I don't read them cover to cover. Um, so how can I get people to read um Breakthrough Advertising in more detail. And Breakthrough Advertising is a very dense read. So I got, I decided, and Chris Mason, who's my marketing partner at, at Titans, he decided that we should do Breakthrough Advertising boot camps. And he devised the agenda. He went through the first three chapters mostly, set up worksheets, homework. 
We came up with like seven or eight calls we could do. We set it up over two weeks. And of course, the goal would be to, we charge $97 for it. The goal was to get people into Titans Accelerator, which at the time was $2,000 for the year. And it seemed like a good stepping stone because the, the, the boot camp was on Zoom. And then we sell them into Titans Accelerator, which is a year on Zoom, much wider, broader than just breakthrough advertising. And that's how we did. We did we've done three boot camps. And each time we get like 60 or 70 people in a boot camp. Um, we have the 10,000 buyers we can go to to get new people on the boot camp. And then um, we get anywhere from, I don't know, 10 to 20 people join Accelerator. So it's a nice feeder for Accelerator. But I realized how enjoyable it was to teach breakthrough advertising. Um, and I, look, I don't think anybody could be an expert on that book. I'd say the closest person alive that would be an expert is Paris Lampropoulos. And we actually have a video of him um, that we use in the boot camp because it's wonderful when he talks about all the, the states of, of, of awareness of your product from most aware to from, from least aware to most aware. And he, he just, you know, I, I'm not never going to be Paris on the book, but you know, I'm getting there. He's got a PhD. I got a master's. Chris is getting his PhD. And so that's been a big initiative for us. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's something new. It's something that, you know, I feel like, you know, and I'm when I'm with you guys or I'm with Kevin Rogers or I'm with, you know, anybody who's teaching copywriting, I always feel a bit inferior because I don't see myself as a a teacher of copy, but I do see myself as someone who can help copywriters in, incorporate marketing into their copy. It's what I spoke about at the first uh, TCC IRL, which I had a great time at. So it's... It's something that's in my blood to teach copywriters, but you know, people write to me as if I'm a copywriter sometimes. And while I write copy and I like to write, I'm not a soup to nuts copywriter. I don't do it. I, it, it that's the magicians of the world. That's for you guys. But I, I do feel like very privileged to be in rooms with the copywriters and I can bring something to the table. And now I can bring an additional skill to the table of teaching breakthrough advertising and incorporating it into their education and not just selling the book for them to waste $125 to have it sit on their shelves. So um, that's been a great initiative. And what I'm going to do next, which I think will be a lot of fun, is I'm going to do an over-deliver bootcamp because it's in the same notion of if you sell a book, you want people to read it. And Jason Fladlian taught me this. He's a great webinar guy. And he just taught me that he had this thing called the E-Class and he basically would sell a book and then he would offer an e-class to go through it chapter by chapter online, you know, on, on Zoom. And with Overdeliver, I can have all kinds of homework and assignments, you know, go, go make your own intentional dinner and go you do some Christmas cards in July, all the things that I've done my whole career and, you know, put them into the boot camp. And those people, if they don't join Titans Accelerator, after being with me for two and a half, three weeks, talking about over-deliver, I don't know how I can sell Titans Accelerator better than that. Because if they're not, they'll either drop out of over-deliver and never want to see me again for the rest of their lives, or they'll be, you know, they'll be with me for the rest of their lives. And so that's the, you know, that's the plan. I'm, I'm not doing too much different in a way, but I'm just, you know, continuing to teach and, and learn too. I mean, I, I, when I, when I teach, I learn, I just did a, 
two hours of hot seats on the Breakthrough Advertising Bootcamp before coming on this call with you guys. And um, it was it was great. I mean, I learned as much as I taught. It was just wonderful. So that brings you up to speed to today. I don't know what I'll be doing tomorrow. Um, I, <laughs> I, I got to get a I got to get a negative COVID test because I had COVID the last week and a half. But uh, outside of that, I'm uh, I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to be with the two of you. And you're always smiling. You're always doing great stuff. And you know I'm I'm your biggest fan. Well, we are happy you're alive and happy you're with us too. And I can't wait to the day where you say that you're a copywriter and you just admit it finally. It's coming. Like, it's, when is it's it going to happen? Slow, yeah. You know, it's it's like uh, I, I have gotten away from saying I'm a copywriter wannabe. I definitely got away from that. That's improvement. That's great. Right. But I, I, I just say, but I, where I'm at now is that I I write copy. I don't, the reason why, because copywriter, when I when I started in 1981, and that was a long time ago. Neither of you were even born yet. And um, <laughs> of course, that's not true. But yeah. <laughs> so in 1981 and in the and during the 80s, I to me, copywriters were just magicians. You know, Gene Schwartz, Jim Rutz, Gary Bensavenga, Mel Martin, um, Clayton Makepeace, going a little more current, David Deutsch, you know, Paris Lampropolis, Arthur Johnson, Eric Betwell just the best of the best. And I could not put myself in their category as a writer. They wrote soup to nuts, 24 to 34 page magalogs, 64 page bookalogs, 12 page letters that were so compelling. I can, I, I couldn't do it then. I didn't want to do it and I can't do it now. So that when I say I'm not a copywriter, I'm not that kind of copywriter. Now, do I write a weekly email that sells stuff in it, all educational? Yeah. Do I sell a lot <laughs> of stuff? No. Um, it's not a selling vehicle, but I sell stuff in it, and it's all and and like I sold I sold your your event, for example. Now I don't take any money for that. I don't take affiliates. I do, I sell stuff that I think is valuable to my audience. If you're lucky, you got two people to show up for my list. It's not a selling vehicle, and so they're not used to buying. So is it because of my writing style or is it because they're not used to buying? If you think I'm a copywriter, then it's because I haven't gotten them used to buying. If, if you don't think I'm a copywriter, then it's because I suck at writing. So <laughs> I, I, but I, I have gotten off the whole idea that I, I, I can write. I know that um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really a content writer that loves to teach at the same time. And I can subtly sell stuff. I mean, when, when we launched this Breakthrough Advertising Mastery book, which I think you guys wanted to talk about, I sold a lot through that. Now, I did multiple emails that I didn't really write. I had Chris write them because I don't really like writing the sales email. So he wrote them from himself. And then if you put, if you sign my name to it, I edited it. So it was in my voice because um, I'm just not comfortable right, sending anything that's not in my voice. That's another thing that prevents me from being a, 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 as good a copywriter as I can be to sell stuff. But I have to admit, we sold 500 copies of the book, and you know that's nothing to sneeze at of a brand new book. Um, selling it to people who bought Breakthrough Advertising and some people who didn't. So, um, so that's my spiel on me as a copywriter. Well, before we hit record, you mentioned that you, I think you said that you read Breakthrough Advertising. You typically read it every year, but this past year you read it four times. Is that right? You said four times. Yeah. Well, I read it. I read it at least three times because we had three boot camps. So 
we went through it during the boot camp, and not just we we went through the first three chapters in depth. So the first three chapters I probably read six or seven times, okay, and then the rest of the book maybe two or three times, and it's it's I get something new every time I read it. I've gotten something new out of every boot camp. We, we're, we're we're right we're in the second week of the fourth boot camp that we've done, and in the, I've learned something new in each boot camp. In this boot camp, I learned that that the 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 chapter later in the book on redefining yourself and redefinition, how I was able to bring that back into uh, levels of awareness. Um, oh, actually, no, yeah, levels of awareness of your audience, uh, because we had a bunch of hot seats with people with with commoditized products. I mean, one was a supplement for dogs that w- had nothing new in it. And another one was car washes and how we redefine those products to make them specialty from commodity was actually later in, in breakthrough advertising. I didn't realize because Gene's mind was like a maze. Um, and, uh, and when you talk to him, you didn't see him that way. You know, he was really personable. He was always, he always talked in really good language. You know, he always has the good language. What does that mean? Um, so he, he talked in words that people can understand, you know, and why shouldn't a copywriter talk like that? Right. Cause he writes like that. And so he was such a complex brain. And so seeing the intricacies of the later chapters and the earlier chapters is been a revelation for me because I spent a lot more time on the first three chapters and Paris Limpropolis, when he, he teaches his copy cubs, you know, to, he teaches them breakthrough advertising. And he basically says, you read the first three chapters multiple times before you go on to the rest of the book. And when you buy it from me, I basically put that as a note on the front of the book. It's glued on the front of the book when they get it. It says, pro tip for reading breakthrough advertising. You know, first three chapters, multiple times. Don't forget the rest of the book. And now I just found something in the rest of the book that was so much more meaningful to me as as opposed to something that was a throwaway. So- there's nothing that's a throwaway in the book. Can we dig deeper into that, though, the redefinition before we move away from that? I think that will grab a lot of copywriters' interest as far as like, what are you, what does that mean and how do we do it? So I'll give you the example I gave in the, on the hot seat. So it was this guy, he had, a, he had a supplement and it had three ingredients in it. One of them is an ingredient that's in a lot of dog stuff. It begins with an F, fermentin or something. I, I had a dog. I don't have one anymore. The other one was like lavender and the third was... Chamomile, maybe? Is that a, a, I know it's, it's tea, but it's also an ingredient, right? So it's like those three ingredients. And so my first question for him, I said, I said is, is the interaction of those three ingredients, like a new US, speaking in Todd Brown language, you know, is that a new unique mechanism? Is it a new thing? He said, no, there's a lot of it out there. He, this guy wants to do e-commerce on Amazon. I said, well, how are you going to differentiate yourself? How are you going to redefine um, a, a product or something to your audience that knows, I mean, they're, they're most aware of this product if you're going out to dog owners. So we started getting into, I, I kept on quizzing him on what, you know, what the product is. And, and so there was nothing new in, in this product. However, I, then, I, then, then I, a light bulb went off and I thought about when we sold books at Boardroom, I used to get trade books off the shelf at Barnes and Noble, 
I used to take, the, and I've written about this in my blog. I might've even done something about it on my last, one of my, it's, it's all, it, I, I've written about it. It's on other podcasts. It might've been on one of yours. But basically the premise was that, and I won't go into the whole story. It's, it's in my blog archive, but I, I go to, a, we, we, we went at boardroom to Barnes and Noble and, and the blog post is like walking around Barnes and Noble with a hand truck. And I walked around Barnes and Noble with a hand truck and went to all the categories that our 9 million name database would buy books in health, tax and accounting, um, finance, home, home, uh, home, uh, improvement. Um, cause our, our newsletters covered a lot of areas in health and consumer issues and all that. So we used to go through the books. We, we, and I'm not going to go through the whole process, but there was w- one book that we took off. It was an, a, a health book. It was a, a natural healing book. And what we did was, so the book that's sitting on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, it's got an inch of dust on it. And it's already in the discount bin, basically selling for like seven dollars. It it probably sold three thousand copies in its lifetime, and we would then take the book, test it with our copywriters, see if they could write fascinations for it or write good direct mail copy for it, and make a direct mail version, a direct marketing version of that book. What do we do? The book off the shelf was soft cover. We made it a hard cover. The book off the shelf was six hundred pages. We made the hard cover five hundred because we took some stuff out to reduce the weight a little bit because we had to ship it now in, in direct mail. But we also, um, there was stuff in the book that we didn't even want. Our editors didn't think was so good. So we made it our book. Then we added premiums and bonuses, like all kinds of special reports that would go with the book on natural healing from our own archives at Boardroom. Now we had a Boardroom product started with a, a, an outside product that was so foreign, but still in the same category of books that our people buy and if you could, if you looked at the Encyclopedia of Natural Healing Boardroom's hardcover book with premiums versus the softcover book that was sitting on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, apples to oranges. We redefined that book for direct mail, even though the bulk of it, same book. So that's a really extreme example. So I put that on, Chris and I both quizzed this guy with the three ingredient dog supplement. And we started saying to him, what could you add? to your supplement that would make it so that the other supplements that look just like yours, you couldn't compare them to. And if you could possibly add a continuity to it, then you've got people that could come back, not just for the supplement, but for whatever you add. And we were brainstorming. I said, you have to do the research. I'm not doing, the hot seat is not, I don't do it for them, but I give them the tools to go do it. And one of the things that came up was like a, like a, a ball that, that you give to your dog when they're frightened. Like they, they can chew it or maybe, maybe and also the vest that they put on during thunder and lightning storms, something like that, because the, I guess the supplement is to calm them down and make them, you know, not bark when they go to the door. So you get something that's related, but maybe something that needs new batteries or a new charger or something like that. So there's some renewability, but if the supplement has renewability, so you don't need the bonus to have a renewability, even better. So you have built in continuity, but now it's a, it's a kit and you rename it. You don't call it the ingredient. You don't call it what everybody else is calling their supplement. So that's a major read. He's got some work to do on his, he has some work to do on his hands, but I think he can get to a place where he'll have an apples to orange comparison, his product versus the others. And hopefully, you know, he will stand out and have an unfair advantage against his competition. That's the best case scenario. We love talking about copywriting principles, marketing principles, and and how you differentiate 
Awesome. So let's talk about the book because we've talked a little bit about the events that you do, the virtual events and and going through that, but you've actually taken the principles that Gene laid out and you've put them into a book, you and Chris, in a format that makes it doable. And I think the problem with breakthrough advertising, aside from the fact that, you know, it used to cost $900 or, or, or more to get it, the, the problem is that it, like you're saying, Gene was so smart and the book is so dense. I think even Paris talks about, you know, only read the first three chapters until you are, you know, an expert copywriter and then go deeper. But yeah, he doesn't recommend breakthrough advertising to novice copywriters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you guys have taken the principles though, and you're making them doable. At least that's my impression on this book. My copy hasn't arrived yet, still waiting for it, but it's coming off presses soon. So yeah, tell us about the book. Yeah, so the issue was that the boot camp was our first attempt. Actually, it started in Titans Accelerator. One of our members, uh, Teresa Pantanella, who's a wonderful, she does Facebook advertising, she's a wonderful lady, and she was like, got a copy of Breakthrough Advertising, and she was struggling with it. She's not a copywriter, um, but she's a marketer, and she wanted to get the principles. And she said, Brian, and she did it in front of all the accelerators, she said, Brian, you know all these copywriters, you know all these people who know the book really well. Why don't we do a Breakthrough Advertising study group inside Titans Accelerator? And so we did that. We, we started having like, so the, the Titans Accelerator calls are on Thursdays between 11 and 1. And then at 1.30, we started doing these Breakthrough Advertising study groups, you know, once a month or twice a month in addition. And we had Paris come on one, we had um, David Deutsch come on one. We had uh, Kim Krause Schwamm did a couple of them. Um, then some other writers like Brian Shazinski, who's one of Paris's former Cubs, he did a session. And so it was just a wonderful little study group. So after a while, you know, like everything else, it fizzled out and, you know, everybody lost. They didn't lose their attention span. We just, you know, we said, okay, we, we had enough of this. But Chris and I said, let's let's continue this as the the, the boot camp. And then we launched our first boot camp. We're on our fourth now. So then in the boot camp, we started doing worksheets and resources that we created so that they could go through the, so we gave them exercises, homework, all of that. And we put them in the Facebook group during the boot camp so they could go get them and print them and have them forever with the book. So then we said, well, wait a minute. Um, maybe we could put those in a, in a book that could be a standalone. And at the same time, we're thinking about that. And I, I believe in fate. I, you know, I just, you put good karma in the, in the world, stuff comes back to you. I get an email from this guy, Luis Nunez, Luis Flavio Nunez, a young copywriter, 25 years old from Brazil, sends me an email. He goes, Brian, I've been accumulating all of the ads, the real live ads, like real ads from the 50s and 60s that Gene cites in Breakthrough Advertising. There are some ads in Breakthrough Advertising in the version that we sell, but he mentions ads all over the place and he gives you the headline, but you don't see the whole ad. This guy on his own just accumulated, he has, he has a, a, a database of like 15,000 ads. He's like an archivist. He's like uh, Denny Hatch of Brazil or something. And he, he, and he had all 300 that Gene mentioned. And he basically, he wasn't going to hold me ransom for them. He goes, Brian... Would you like them? I'm going to put them in a little book, or if you want them, maybe you, you want them to use. And I said, Luis, how about I trade you, I'll give you a lifetime membership to Titans Accelerator. In, in exchange for that, I'm going to give you annotation for this, 
but I'm going to take the ads, I'm going to scan them, and I'm going to put them as the second half of this Breakthrough Advertising Mastery book that we're putting together. I didn't have the title yet. We did a title contest in my blog, and that's why I know I, I can write copy because I got hundreds and hundreds of responses. If you have to buy something, it's different than just sending in a title, but whatever. But I can get people to respond. So we, we ended up titling it Breakthrough Advertising Mastery, and we decided we're just going to go all out. And so it's fi- it ended up being a, it's a 500-page hardcover book. The first half of the book are the worksheets from the boot camp plus some additional worksheets, some explanation from stuff in the book. Um, Chris put all of that together on his own. He, Chris has become a real student of the book himself. And then the second half of the book is in color. I decided I'm going to do it in color too. We did every ad that Gene mentions in Breakthrough Advertising in color with a cross-reference at the bottom of every ad to where he mentions it in Breakthrough Advertising. So you can basically, it's, it's a little inconvenient, but you can go a little bit back and forth. I'm not digitizing the book. I'm not, I'm not doing it. The book will work as a, as a collector's item, as well as a workbook of sorts. And we also have a digital site with all of the worksheets. So you don't have to write in the book if you don't want to. That's what I did with Brilliance Breakthrough, Gene's other masterpiece, which I gave away, I think, at, at your first live event. And that book comes, I put it with a workbook because the exercises are in the book, Brilliance Breakthrough, and I was taught in third grade never to write in a book. So um, so you can write in it, but we give them the workbook with the book. So in the case of Breakthrough Advertising Mastery, you could write in the first half of the book, but we have this site, which you get the URL when you buy the book, and you have access to all of the, the stuff. So the book is, you know, it's, it's not going to make a lot of money because it's so freaking expensive to print. I, 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 my fault, my bad, you know, my good, my bad, right? I wanted to do it in color. I want to do the ads in color. I wanted it to be every ad. I wanted it to be hardcover as opposed to softcover. Not that it was that much more expensive to do hardcover. I'm excited about it. We, 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 the, the goal would be to, to, to sell it as a, as a bump or an upsell when people buy Breakthrough Advertising. So Breakthrough Advertising is $125. You know, I don't want to make it more than Breakthrough Advertising, which I could. I mean, the book could be a couple of thousand. It could be a Ben Settle kind of encyclopedia kind of. He sells books for thousands of dollars, and they're amazing. You, you, have, his, you have a couple of his books, right? Yeah, we, uh, yeah I've got a couple. His, his email, Enomicon. Oh, Enomicon, yeah, that book is it's, amazing. It's ginormous. It's ginormous. And he charges like, I don't know, like 2000 like, bucks for it or something. Yeah, they're expensive. They're expensive. It's like 800 pages too. And so he did soft cover though. It's an 800 page soft cover book. It's interesting. So anyway, I, I actually went to Ben. I said, I'm freaking out. The postage is more than the book. Not, not for the United States. The United States, we, it was on the discount. So we did a, a, an early bird offer for the book. We wanted to make it really cheap to get it in everybody's hands immediately who bought Breakthrough Advertising, who would jump on it. And that's how we sold 5,000 of them immediately. And um, it was $49, but the shipping was 20 in the US and outside the US, it was always more than 49. And we had to like send a note with it. It's like, don't get sticker shock on the postage. It's 500 pages, God damn it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't foresee that. A guy who's been in direct mail all his life, who sold millions and millions of hardcover books in the mail, millions, didn't see that problem coming. Yeah, sh- shipping costs should be at the top of your list, Brian. I'm, I'm surprised. But I was so mad at myself. 
so now the the book is a, a an upsell bump or whatever how we're going to position it at seventy five. So it's one hundred ninety nine dollars for the book and mastery together. Um, that'll be the new offer, and the postage will be a little bit less because it'll be shipped with breakthrough advertising. But international shipping is expensive when you're shipping a five hundred page book. But not going to apologize for it. You know, if you want the book, I, I'm not going to pay the shipping, um, and the book will last on your shelf forever. And it'll be something that you're going to want to have, especially if you're a student of the craft, you know, and, and it will be a collector's item. You, I, I, I was thumbing, th- I, you know, on the manuscript, I don't have the book yet. I don't even have the book yet. I was thumbing through the, the ads. They're, they're amazing. It's like these girdles and, and cigarette ads and, and all these ads, you know, the Mad Men era, right? It's, it's, and, and, and yet you can, and, and Chris did a presentation at my last Titans Mastermind. He took some of the ads and he did call outs of where Gene, you know, calling out the, the awareness level and the sophistication level of the audience on, on these are all space ads and magazines. Like Gene was doing bliss segmentation before they were even, you know, doing like intense list segmentation in direct mail, much less email. So it's, and, and so, and one of the things I say about breakthrough advertising mastering is that, um, it's it's not I didn't I didn't put the ads in just for nostalgia, you know. There's a lot of learning, just like swipe files, right? I mean, you guys, I'm sure you teach all your copywriter, you know, when you're coaching, you know, it, you know, you steal smart, you know, stealing's a felony, stealing smarts an art. But you know, you, you're going to get your ideas, your copy platforms. You know, everything's been invented to some degree. I mean, I always say I've never. I say I'm not a copywriter. I also say I've never invented anything. That's true, um, and you know. You can say that Jeff Walker maybe didn't invent, he, he invented PLF, you know, Ryan Levesque invented the ask method quiz funnels, but even they will admit that, you know, Ryan Levesque learned in his neuroscience courses at Brown. He was like a, a brainiac when he went to college and he understood list segmentation and he understood regression modeling, which is what I understood. I didn't create quiz funnels from it, but he did and he invented that. Jeff Walker invented PLF, product launch formula, but he said to me in, in one meeting with him, he said, you know, once I realized it was all direct marketing, then, then PLF took off. So, you know, that's the, the, the spirit of never inventing anything. So, you know, it's not nostalgia. It's not like, you know, going, taking a, a, a walk down memory lane, although I like doing that once in a while, but, you know, cause I'm older and, you know, I'm, I'm older and wiser, but I am older. And so, you know, when you're older and wiser, you know, I'm not yearning for the past, but I am, I'm always looking to the past for clues for the future. And I think there are a lot of them, you know, when you look anywhere in the brain of Gene Schwartz, there's, there's clues to the future there everywhere. Okay, Kim, let's break in for a moment and talk about what Brian has been sharing. So I'm curious if anything has jumped out at you as we've been going through uh, what what Brian's been talking about. here. Well, I, I definitely agree that Breakthrough Advertising is one of those classic, classic books, a must read. And I have kind of a funny story about that. I don't know if you want to hear it. Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, actually, it's two funny stories in one, and I'll try to keep them quick. The first one is way back when I was a junior, junior marketer and working at Phillips Publishing, which actually hired Gene Schwartz to co- as a copywriter. So he was one of our top copywriters. He came in and did a full day seminar with just the marketing management and the executive team. So it was like maybe 30 people in the room and we had him all day. 
And it was a Friday afternoon and it got to be like around four, four thirty, and it was still going on. And I leaned over to the senior VP next to me and I'm like, you know how much longer this is going to go on? So to meet some friends up in Baltimore for happy hour. And he's kind of like, well, maybe you want to stick around. Yeah. So I mean, I literally almost skipped out early, you know, and it's like, I'm like, really, really? Because now that I really, I mean, it was an amazing lecture for sure. The second funny story is about the Breakthrough Advertising book. So when I finally became a freelance copywriter, uh, I had a client that I was working with and he told me, you have to get this book, but you couldn't find it. Like it was before Brian started making it available. Like I could see, I found it like, for $997, like on, you know, Amazon or something. So I literally copied this entire book. I, and Brian knows I did this because it's illegal copyright, but I still have it. Um, I could probably even pull it out. Like it's you, still- You're talking about you copied it on a copy machine. You no, like... I mean, I, well, this is, this is on audio. Yeah, it's right here. I keep it super handy. Like here it is. <laughs> and so, but this was my go-to book early on and still is with my copywriting. So that's how important of a book it is. So that really jumped out at me and it brought back a few funny memories. Yeah, it's it's great that Brian has made it available. I mean, it's not a cheap book. It's $125. But when I got my copy, again, it was also before Brian was had made the re-release. And I think I paid like $350 for my copy. I tracked it down. And uh, so obviously you go to, I think it's breakthroughadvertisingbook.com. You can get your own copy of it. But um, what you know, when Brian is talking about this this manual that he's put together, since we recorded the podcast, I've actually received mine. And so have is, I? I've gotten it, but it was right for the holidays. I haven't had a chance to really dig in. But yeah, I, I started thumbing through, and people won't be able to see this because it's a podcast. But I mean, there's like 200 pages of these full color ads that it's are incredible. all referred to. It. it is an incredible resource, and so um, I think a lot of credit to Brian and also to Chris Mason who helped you know, put all this stuff together. It's a great resource. We're not an affiliate for it. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you are at that point of your copywriting career where you're starting to think about breakthrough advertising, or you've tried to read the book and you've struggled with it, breakthrough advertising mastery is the kind of resource that can make it more accessible and easier to get through and, and get those concepts into, you know, your writing brain. Well, another thing I want to add real quick while we're on that topic in general is a lot of those examples may appear to be these older ads. And you might think as a younger copywriter or a modern day copywriter, you know, how, what can I really learn from these? But you actually can glean a huge amount of ideas, even some that you could even borrow from and use in your own copy and headlines and subject lines. And, you know, everybody is buzzing about AI right now and all this AI generated copy and all this. But more and more, the stuff that is unique, that could not like if somebody looks at it and they just kind of know this could never be written by AI, that's the stuff that's going to jump out. So I think even more importantly than ever, you have to have some unique angles, some unique ideas, different words, different phrases, not the same old, same old. It's going to be more important than ever. And you're going to glean a lot of ideas from going through some of these older ads. I think another thing about some of these older ads that we don't see you know, when we're looking at, say, Facebook ads today is because they were mailed, because they you know ran so long and were tested over and over against different you know, copy points, different calls to action, different headlines, what is in that book, that collection of ads are ads that actually work. We know oh, people respond. They made, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. 
if you know, oftentimes we'll look at uh, swipe files today, and you know, we see all these sales pages that people have collected. I've got a, I've got, you know, th- a thousand maybe that I've got in a swipe file, and I don't know all the time which ones really work because some of them ran one time, or and the ads that Brian's put together. They're all, we know that the vast majority of those were effective. And so like you're suggesting, if you can borrow an idea, a headline, you know that it's going to connect with the reader. Right. It's telling you something about human nature. It touched into some kind of desire or want or need, or as Gene liked to say, he told us in that lecture, you know, you want them to sometimes feel, am I really in such grave danger? You know, if you're trying to build in urgency or you're informing them about here's the hidden cause of a problem or whatever, you know, so yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Yeah. Going along with this book, you know, Brian, as we said in the interview, he, he says he's not a copywriter. He's He's got a heart of a copywriter, but doesn't love to write a lot of copy. But he does a really good job of teaching copywriters and other people how to be better marketers. And copy is a big part of that. And, you know, he was talking about uh, this process of adding bonuses to make a meh or a me too offer, you know, more palatable, you know, um, the same thing that he did with the book, you know, and adding all of the the ads to the book. And it just kind of got me thinking you know, when I'm thinking about what we do at the Copywriter Club, some of the things that you do in your business, Kim, what we all do as copywriters is um, instead of just writing about the thing, taking a step back and saying, how can I make this offer better? And that I think is a superpower that a lot of copywriters don't harness on behalf of their clients. Oftentimes we're just like, okay, well, the offer is the offer and I'm just going to write about it instead of breaking it up and saying, you know, how can we turn some of this into a bonuses bonus? Is there something else here that maybe I can create that will make it even more valuable? And that's something that Brian is really good at. And you can do things that are more timely or of the moment, whereas maybe your core product, you're not going to change. And it's interesting because a lot of us old school direct mail copywriters um, came up through in like the newsletter publishing world. And, you know, and still obviously there's a whole lot of that going on in financial today and you're never selling a newsletter, you know, partly because you can't tease about the content of a newsletter because it's ever changing, you know, so you have to have premiums that or you know, bonuses that you are, that's basically what you're selling in your promotion. And yeah, and so, yeah, that you're always, as a copywriter, you are very much involved with coming up with what those bonuses should be about and, you know, even finding some of the content to go into them because you want to come up with the juicy teasing bullets and other, you know, copy that's going to really sell the people on the premium so that they get the newsletter. So it's like that whole thinking that you can apply it, I think, to any product. Yeah, I agree. Now, I, I'm Hopefully, I don't, I'm not putting you on the spot, but do you have a process for thinking through when you're working with a client uh, or some of the clients that you've had in the past where you know you're writing about the thing, but do you have a process for stepping back and saying, how can I make this better or how do I break out some of the stuff and create bonuses around it? Well, a couple of things. One is I might look at what they already have available. Like, for example, if I'm going up an existing control for, let's say, a boardroom newsletter, which again, it's been a while or bottom line, right? I'll, you know, what are the ones you got on the hopper? Um, oh, those look interesting. Oh, that looks really good. Or, you know, could you mind creating new ones? Fine. And as I'm going through and doing my research, I will start to grab onto articles, things that look interesting, like that's related, that's related, or I'll find other stuff within their existing content. I'm like, that could be basically its own report. I'm not actually creating the report for them, but I start to find like maybe five or six really cool things that I know could be like great bullets or a few paragraphs of copy. And then I'll say, can we create one and make sure we include this stuff and then whatever else you want to put in. 
for this topic. So that's generally the process that I've used. Um, and I, I like it because, again, you're not just showing up as the order taker. You're not, you know, the the person who's, oh, you know, we need copy for this. So you write copy for this. But you're actually thinking bigger about how do I make this thing sing? But it could be other things, too. It could be let's have a bonus live call or, you know, it depends on what it is you're selling. Or we've even used physical premiums before. I mean, it's been a while. But, you know, I had one client have like a, a calculator or a pedometer, you know, I mean, those were big, you know, and it's again, if the direct mail audience a bit senior, you know, older audience, but there could be other things that could appeal to your audience that, you know, and I think more and more, we're going to see physical stuff actually kind of making a comeback too, just having something on your desk, you know, that your person's using with your branding on it, for example could be really valuable. Yeah. Now no, you got me thinking about stuff that maybe <laughs> add or accelerator or some other program, but exactly. Uh, yeah. So there were a couple of things too that Brian mentioned these almost just as th like he just made a, a brief comment. We didn't even talk about them, but one of the things, and I agree with both of them. So I just want to point them out. One of the things he said was um, he really believes in karma, putting good things out into the world. Good always comes back. And, you know, I know that this is maybe a little bit of a, a woo-woo thing, and I'm kind of known for not being very woo-woo, but this is one thing, uh, one woo idea that I buy into 100%. If you do good things for the world, if you share your genius, I'm not always expecting a financial reward, good comes back. And it's not always financial that comes back, but good things happen. And Brian practices this in his life like no one else I know. Yeah, no, he's huge. He is very much a giver. And you're right, it all kind of comes back. I have felt like that throughout my copywriting career for many, many years when I, um, you know, I'd get myself booked up like a year in advance. And I have, you know, other people coming to me. I mean, I've, I've turned so much work away, referred it to other copywriters, you know, my, my copy, you know, it depends on what level copywriter they needed. Um, I remember at one point, it was probably like 10 years ago, one of my friends told me, she's like, I'm making over $100,000 this year just off your referrals. I'm like, cool, you know. Um, yeah, I'm like, but I never took anything of it. I mean, I once had somebody want to refer me and they wanted me to give them some money for it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't roll that way. And honestly, whenever I refer people, I don't take money either. I want it to be like an honest referral. I mean, I don't want people referring me just because they're going to get paid. You know, plus I was already booked up, but you know, I just like, I feel like it's, it does go around and you know, the same thing when I started writing my copy insiders e-letter and I really didn't have any kind of plan. I just knew I want to start sharing, you know, stuff and be like, oh my God, you're sharing so much value. And I still do. But again, it kind of comes back to me. I have my loyal audience and now I have programs and products that people buy, you know, but again, it's not just about that. It's kind of like, you know, it feels good to, you know, like, holiday season, I get these responses like, you know, thanks for everything you do for us. And I'm sure you, you hear that too. And it's, you just feel like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm making a difference for somebody. There's somebody out there who, you know, maybe doesn't have other sources, you know, of training or insights. And, you know, and there's so many valuable things, which I do want to mention real quick. One of the best books, I think a new copywriter can read, you know, because you said breakthrough advertising is a bit advanced, maybe read that second or third. But read Claude Hopkins' Scientific Advertising. I read, that was the first book I read after I left my marketing position to become a freelance copywriter. And even though it was written over 100 years ago, it was like, oh my God, it all makes sense now. Like it just made sense. And I have every one of my new mentees read it. I reread it every year. I still get new insights. Um, you can find it for free. Just search Scientific Advertising PDF. 
So that is a great book for someone to read. It gives them a good foundation of some of the principles that Claude Hopkins talks about. Yeah, that's one of the first books. I mean, and Gene Schwartz, I'm sorry, Gene Schwartz talks about, yes. Yeah, I, I remember uh, my boss when I was hired at an ad agency that focused on direct responses. The first time I did any direct response, well, not really because I was writing some catalog copy, but it's the first time I really was thinking about the response and 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 being in this industry. And my boss recommended the same book. She's like, you've got to read and I agree. Um, but there's also a companion book, My Life in Advertising. And I think I have still have the book with both of them in it. Um, and, the, and that was excellent, too. Well, but yeah, you, they're both like really I said, good. you can find scientific advertising for free online. So why yeah, not read it? Really good recommendation. But it what? does talk about men, 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 men. That's the only thing. It's, like, it's, like, it's a little dated. A hundred years ago, women, I guess, weren't copywriters. <laughs> One other thing that Brian mentioned that, again, it was kind of a throwaway line, but I think it has something that, you know, again, got my ears per to perk up. He said, stealing is a felony and then talked about stealing smart is an art. Yes. And where he, I think actually, Kim, you've probably got a lot to add here because where we we're just talking about like these ads that we can swipe ideas from, um, how do you steal smart in the writing that you do? Well, I mean, again, a lot of the writing I'm doing these days is for my own list and emails. Um but, you know, I just got an idea last night, which I used it in an email, which was somebody had this LinkedIn post about AI. And it was really kind of hilarious because it actually led you to this Rick Roll video. Um, I hope I didn't ruin it for anybody who hasn't opened that email yet. Um, but it was just, you know, but I just, you know, some things you can just see out in the wild. They, they give, you know, stimulate an idea like that. Um, you know, reading books, um, hearing stuff on the news, kind of staying tuned into what people are talking about on social media, but in terms of looking at other ads, um, like back when I was writing a lot of supplement promos, I would pull out, in fact, I still have file drawers full of promos that I've saved, like vision supplement promos, joint supplement promos, like these are thick, thick folders. And I kind of pull everything out and I just start to get like, okay, what are some of the words and some of the things that stand out? And again, I'm not taking somebody's headline and copying and pasting it somewhere that would be stealing, right? It would not be, be stealing smart. Um, it'd be stealing dumb. Um, but yeah, I start to just get like a lot of idea fodder sometimes just from that. Um, of course, I do other research too. Um, but yeah, that would be generally, I would also, especially did this early in my copywriting career, I would dissect and analyze promos that I knew were controls. And I would you know, analyze what's working here, what's working in the headline, what's working in the lead. And I would even try to put together sort of how is it structured? Because I still don't feel like there is one magic template for that. Um, although it's funny, right before I left Phillips, I saw, because Phillips did a lot of these long form magalogs, somebody had a formula page, like they had it all written out. And I thought I took it with me and I'm like, where is the formula page? And I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was like, I have to figure it out myself now. I have to crack the code. You know, we're, not any, we're none of these training or seminars or copywriting mentees, mentors back then. So I just studied and reverse engineered promos and tried to figure out how they were structured. And then I would say, okay, let me look at that similar structure for mine. Again, not every single one fits the exact structure, but those were some ways that I 
felt that I, I was stealing smart and that, you know, outright stealing. Yeah. I, every once in a while, I'll see somebody who literally steals an email and changes out a couple of words here or there. Or they, you know, they, and, and that, yeah, that's stealing dumb. Right. But, but like you say, looking at how something makes you feel, looking at an idea and applying it in a different context. I, last week I wrote a, an, an email to our list about um, a business lesson from Bono's book, Surrender. And it had nothing to do with copywriting. Yeah, I've never seen that. As as soon as I as soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, there's an idea that I can apply to, you know, an idea we can share on an email. That kind of stealing is uh, the kind of stealing I think that Brian's talking about. Yeah, I have seen. I have definitely seen my um, my own copy is stolen. Um, it's not fine. Although it's sort of like I've just took the I've taken. You know, again, it's not like it's going to necessarily hurt the response of something else that I wrote. But for example, way back when I wrote a financial control that beat Jim Rutz, and Jim Rutz was kind of a big deal to beat. Um, um, and I had this control for like three plus years. And at one point we tested into an envelope package, like a number 10 envelope package. And uh, because it was sort of an issue, like a, a, a newsletter issue, like what we called a faux issue, when you opened up and got the promotion out. On the outside, we put the, the newsletter logo and current issue and closed on the front because it looked like an issue, right? And that did so, so well. Well, guess what? Within like two or three months, every time I go to my mailboxes on all these other lists, I'd be like, everybody started copying that, the number 10 envelope and current issue and closed, like all the financial publishers. And then I even had one of my clients do it for one of my supplement controls. I'm like, well, heck, I might as well copy it myself, right? Um, but yeah, at the time I just was, I was like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, flattery imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So to some extent, it didn't really hurt me. I still had the control and I was still banking the royalties. So, yeah. And of course, stuff that works is going to get copied. Let's just hope that as copywriters, we're smart about as we reuse ideas as we go forward. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I feel like we could talk about it. this interview is so good. Like there's so much good stuff coming up, but let's get back and hear more about what Brian has to say. All right, Brian, I think anyone listening wants to order it. Just real quick, kind of basic question. What is the best application? You know, let's say we order the bundle. So we have the book and then we have the new, the mastery book. What is the best way that we can apply it immediately in our business? If I'm a new copywriter, like what do I do other than reading the first three chapters of the original book? Yeah, I think that, I mean, BreakthroughAdvertising.com is where you can buy Breakthrough Advertising at $125. We haven't set up because we we printed that, that, that first printing of Breakthrough Advertising Mastery was for the early birds mostly. And I think we're just about sold out because we only printed 5,000. And I think we've sold like 4,900 something. So if anybody would want Breakthrough Advertising Mastery, I guess the best way is they could just email me and I'll make sure if there's a copy in inventory, we'll get them one at $75. Um, or if we're out of stock, uh, we'll make sure they get on a waiting list to get the book as soon as it's ready. I mean, the people who ordered it over the last three months haven't gotten a copy yet either. They all bought it, pre-ordered it. So. Um, I was scared to do that because, but I knew I was going to, it wasn't like a cold test, like in, in direct mail, you know, there are people that used to do these dry tests, you know, they, they wouldn't create the product until they knew they had people to buy it. I, I never had the stomach for that at boardroom. Um, this was not a dry test. I was already printing it, but I knew it was going to take a while, 500 pages, full color. 
So if they just email me, uh, brian at briankurtz.net, I'll make sure they get a copy of Breakthrough Advertising Mastery as soon as I can get them one, but they really should buy Breakthrough Advertising by itself first. So breakthroughadvertising.com. Yes, I automated that. I couldn't have sold 10,000 copies without an automated selling page. I do, have, I do have a page for Breakthrough Advertising Mastery. It's not a simple URL yet. It's not breakthroughadvertisingmastery.com. So. And just a clarifying question, Brian, if somebody doesn't already have Breakthrough Advertising, they should get that first, right? Or, or could they just lean into this second book without that background? Yeah, I, I would say that's the case. Although we have some people who have bought Breakthrough Advertising Mastery just because they wanted to look at the ads, they, they had studied Gene. I, I think you need to at least understand the concepts. Now, a lot, there's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that have bought you know, illegal PDF ripoff versions of Breakthrough Advertising. So you know, they don't count. You know? um, but th- those people could probably buy Breakthrough Advertising Mastery and get something out of it. I have a, I have a takedown service that are always, it's like playing whack-a-mole with the pirates. But you know, the real people out there, uh, know that you know having the real book is is a uh, it's basically honoring Gene. It's honoring the the beauty of the work, and um, you know there's a lot more to it than just you know getting a PDF of it. As we're talking about your books, I think it could feel inspiring. It could also feel discouraging, just because we're talking about the numbers, and you're being really upfront about the fact that it's not necessarily profitable to publish these books, but you know, you're doing it for other motivating factors. But for copywriters who are listening and who are currently writing their next book or writing their first book or want to write the book, I know you believe in the staying power of books and that book launches are forever. So can you just speak to what you mean when you when you say that? Hopefully encourage us to continue forward, even though it isn't profitable all the time. Yeah. Postage and printing are only going to get more expensive. So that's always a factor. However, when I was talking about, you know, books not being profitable, I was talking more about, you know, a 500-page hardcover book that I didn't understand the shipping cost, which is just me being stupid. But as far as writing a book, like writing your book, writing the book that you always wanted to write, I encourage everybody to write a book. I mean, I was just at Genius Network uh, last week and Joe Polish just, you know, he's written a couple of books, but he finally wrote the book that he wanted to write his whole life. It's called What's In It For Them. And so there was a lot of discussion around his book, but there were, people were talking about their books. And Reed Tracy was there from Hay House, which is where they published my book. They published um, Joe's book. They published Ryan Levesque's second book, Choose. They published the new edition of Launch by Jeff Walker because they have a business imprint now. It's not just self-improvement books and things like that. So the idea of not making money on your book is not the reason not to do it. And there are many other reasons that could still be profitable for your business to write a book. So for instance, you know, it so happened that I was going to publish my book with a different publisher. I already had a contract set up and I wasn't getting paid for it. Um, I was actually going to have to pay them. Like I had to buy 10,000 copies at cost to get them to publish my book, get it on Amazon, get it into bookstores. Um, and then the deal was I bought, I had to buy 2,500 books at cost, let's say $4 a book. So it's going to cost me $10,000 to publish my book. I thought it was a very small price to pay to get my, my, my thoughts and my book in print. And then while I was signing the, I signed the contract, I started working on it. Reed Tracy called me from Hay House 
And this doesn't happen for everybody, but it happened for me. Um, and he called me and he said, um, you know, have you signed your contract yet for your book? He had just signed the contract to do a business imprint with, with uh, Random House. And he said, if you can get out of the contract, I'd like to publish your book with Hay House. And so I went to my publisher, my, my, the publisher I had, I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to squelch on my contract, but if you let me out, you can keep what I've already paid you. I paid him a portion and, um, he was really good about it because Hay House was a better deal for me, not only because he gave me a nice advance, but because they have a big email list. They, they do a lot more promoting for you they, and they take care of Amazon. They take care of doing the audio version. I had, a, I had to speak it, but they set me up for the audio version, all of that. So I only say that because you don't need Hay House or a publisher to pay you in advance to still do the book. I mean, I could have done it the other way and I would have had a book that I could give away. You can use it as a lead magnet in things if you want. You can um, you can create a bonus page, which I did anyway for Overdeliver. It's overdeliverbook.com where I was able to honor all of my mentors by giving away bonuses from them, swipe files from Gary, Gary Bensavenga's bullets and, and Dan Kennedy's swipe file and all this stuff. So there's so many applications of a book beyond the book. But as Reed Tracy says, the first step is to write a good book. So there are a lot of books. I mean, just to write a book for the sake of writing a book, a lot of people do that. You know, I have a lot of books in this big pile here that are, you know, 90 pages or less. They have one good thought in them or two good thoughts in them. They were worth doing for that author. He usually talks the book. It's what Dean Jackson has with his 90-minute book. That's a legitimate book. It's not the same thing as my book over deliver or, you know, Joe Polish's book, but it's a, it's a, it's a legitimate book. But I think that you have to understand what do you want to do with the book and what are your objectives? If your objective is to be on the New York times bestseller list or be on the wall street journal uh, bestseller list, that's a completely different model than writing a book that you want to use as a lead magnet. And then there's everything in between. Um, mine was somewhere in between. I mean, I wanted to write my story. I had, you know, four or five years worth of blogs that I knew could be the the, the basis of my book. Um, I thought I could just put the blogs in between two covers and it would be a book. Wrong. Um, I needed a couple of different editors to help me with that. I needed what they called a developmental editor, which I didn't even know what that was, um, to kind of formulate the book and organize the book. And then I moved over to Hay House and then Hay House gave me another editor so the book was heavily edited, which was good, but it was all in my own voice. That was important to me. You have to like, you have to basically come up with what your, you know, what your, um, uh, like what you won't negotiate. What are your non-negotiables with a book? Mine were, um, it had to be in my voice. It wasn't going to be with a ghostwriter. You can do a book with a ghostwriter. Has to be in my, had to be in my voice, my words, which is a lot more time and effort with a good developmental editor. Um, if there was going to be an audio version, it had to be my voice. I hate books read by, I mean, some people are dead, so you have to read them by other people. But if someone's alive and they have a, a voice that you can understand, my kids would say, you can't understand me, but that's beside the point. So I was going to, I had to read the book. In fact, it was in my contract with Hay House. As long as I am able-bodied, little did I know I was going to have a stroke and I could have had a speech impediment or something. But, you know, that the book would have to be read by me 
And I put that in my contract as long as I'm able to do it. I had a stipulation that I needed unlimited author copies to buy at cost because that opens me up to give the books. And I've done it already. I've given the books to like a college class. Like they, you know, it's not, it's not to make money on them. It's just that then I can, they can afford it to buy them at less than $27 a book, but that would have cost on Amazon to pay for something less. And then I can ship the books in quantity to them. I don't do that that often, but it's all about the education of my audience. That was my ultimate goal. I wanted to educate my audience with my book. So anything that, that added to that mission was worth doing for me. And so, you know, in fact, when my hardcover books were out of, were, were out of stock, I think my print order was originally 10,000 books. I've sold about 10,000 copies of the hardcover book, which is not a, it's not a bestseller, but it's not a, it's not a small seller in the scheme of things. Um, they, then they go to the paperback version, which is the books coming out in paperback. I think, I don't know, last week, it came out recently. And I went to Hay House and I said, how much would you charge me to print up another 5,000 hardcovers just for myself? And I was able to do that all at my cost. They're not going to store them for me. So I had to store them at a warehouse. And luckily I had a warehouse because I, I happened to publish Breakthrough Advertising. I have a warehouse for books. So I wanted to do that because that gives me flexibility now to use the hardcover for college classes for at, at, a, at a lower cost. So my you have to understand... Yeah, yeah. So I gave you my objectives for a book and then how that fit in to how I did the book. But if I was going to do um, an all out blitz to get on the bestseller list somewhere, even the Amazon bestseller list, I would have had people mailing for me. I had a lot of podcasts scheduled. I think I had one with you when the, when the book launched and then I had to cancel a lot of them because of my stroke. But I, I ended up doing a lot of podcasts selling overdeliverbook.com. But it was all about adding names to my list. It was all about adding list names to my online family so I could blog to them. They'd be part of my world. And, you know, the book, the book satisfied that for me. And, and it still lives on. I still get a lot of really, I get, I get at least one very warm email a week, maybe more than one, telling, you know, somebody telling me how it changed their life in terms of how they look at marketing, that they're, they're willing to launch something now because I put it, in language they can understand. That means more to me than any bestseller list, anything that I could have made on the book. And, you know, I got an advance, so I made some money on the book. I haven't made back my advance yet, you know, so you can figure out quickly maybe what my advance was and how many books I sold at what, at what royalty rate. But most people don't. Most people don't make royalties on their books. And even the ones that get big advances. I mean, Hay House sometimes gives multiple $100,000 advances. I didn't get one of those. A lot of times they don't earn those out either. So, you know, there's a lot of advances that they think are going to earn out and they don't. So, you know, if you can get an advance, I would recommend it. You know, if, if you've got a name and if you've got a platform, you know, if you've got an email list, you people know who you are. Joe Polish has a much bigger platform than I do. Jeff Walker has a much bigger platform than I do. They got bigger advances than I do. And I, I don't slight them at all. But even without an advance, I would have gone with Hay House because they give me an opportunity to be with a publisher that does direct response marketing, that does email marketing. Um, that was a good fit once they had a business uh, imprint. Um, as far as the idea of you're always on a, on, on a relaunch or you're always on a launch with your book, it, it's, it's all, I guess it's only if the book is, is got a, it's mostly evergreen. 
And my book is mostly evergreen. I might have to update some stuff and maybe I'll do an updated version and you can launch again, right? So that's one way to keep the launch going. But if I wanted to do like a launch now of the soft cover, I could do that. You know, I'd have to pay for the media for it. I mean, I'd have to, whatever advertising I would do, I'm not, you can't do it all with organic. And I don't have that kind of platform. I'm not that well known. So I'd have to go, you know, pay for Facebook, pay for TikTok. I can dance on TikTok. I'm sure I can sell a lot of books that way. But TikTok actually is great media these days. I don't know if you're you're into it. Yeah, I'm not sure we're into it, but we're aware of it. I think is aware yeah. of it. No, I mean I'm not. I've actually sold some breakthrough advertisings on TikTok, so it's pretty cool. We actually recorded a podcast recently, a little bit about TikTok. Oh, good, good. There's a guy, Max Finn, who's like, he's killing it. He's got a media agency. Do you know him? I don't know Max, but we'll have to. Yeah, you might want to interview him. You know what the place to? I'll, I'm going to change subjects just for a second. The place to go to find out what's happening in media is steal our winners. Rick Sheffrin's, uh, he came to my mastermind and he was a fire hose of information on, you know, text with TikTok, with email, with Instagram. It was like unbelievable. But anyway, going yeah, back Rich to talks books. talks to a lot, of, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. Did, I, did I answer the question about launches forever and different models for books? I think most people can also, you know, self-publish, you know, whether it's through the 90 minute book, if it's a small book, but even a big book, you can do it through Amazon and you get a lot of services. And, you know, I know Robert Scrobe, who's a wonderful guy, membership expert. He's in my Titans Mastermind. He did a book called Retention Point, which was like sold a ton of books. Now, when I, he gave me the manuscript for it, I said, this is a great book. And he said, that's what I wanted you to tell me, not to feed my ego, but that you actually thought it was a book because he set the book up as a feed for his consulting business. And the book has got great content in it on, on retention and, and, you know, renewals and all that kind of stuff. But it was like it, it, the whole thing throughout the book. It's like he talks about a case history. He's got a link to his site. He's got the whole thing is a sales pitch. And you don't even know it. I mean, I didn't know it. I'm, I'm gullible. So, but it was amazing, you know, and you can do books like that. That's a great way to do a book. So a book can be, serve so many things. It can serve so many masters. It should serve you first as the author. I mean, and that's why you have to set your objective up first. But, you know, I, I just, I think it's great. My first book, uh, The Advertising Solution, I did with uh, Craig Simpson. That was an, a different thing because I, I was already thinking about my book, which ended up being Over Deliver. But I was typical, you know, I'll do a book someday, you know, usual, you know, the usual like someday, one day. And I thank Craig for this because he came to me and he said, Brian, I have this book that's called The Advertising Solution. It's profiling the six advertising men who are really direct marketers, but they came mostly before direct marketing, which was, you know, David Ogilvy, Claude Hopkins, Robert Collier, John Caples, Gary Halbert, and Gene Schwartz. And he said, Brian, you've studied them as well as anybody. Maybe Clayton Makepeace might have studied them a little bit more. But, you know, he said, he said, you're one of the people that studied all those guys. And I've already done the base of the book. Like the book is basically a profile of those six guys. And I, I want you to co-author the book with me. If you say no, I'm going to publish it myself. You're the only person. I mean, he basically, as Mark, as Mark Ford once said to me, flattery work doesn't work on everybody. It works on me. Um, and so, you know, he said, I'm, you're the only person I would do this book with. I said, I'm in. And so the, I, I did, I did improve it a lot. He admitted it because his book his but it's in his writing style. And a lot of the people who 
uh, I got everybody to to do a blurb for me, from Jay Abraham to Jeff Walker to uh, Frank Kern, all these guys. They all did ones for me for Over Deliver too. But they all noticed that it wasn't in my voice, and they were wondering, this isn't your book. It's like, you know, but what I did in the book is that I bulleted the whole thing. So, like, you know, Craig had paragraph on paragraph. And when you're writing about Robert Collier letter book, it gets, it can get really stale. Not that it's not important stuff. I mean, it's the best book on sales letters ever written, but you, so I had a bullet point, like what are the things he's trying to say here? And so I made a lot of improvements, but he did all the heavy lifting, but that book served me well too, because then we had a site, the legendsbook.com. People went to it. I got names into my online family from that. I'm still getting names from that book. So, you know, it, it's a gift that keeps on giving, and that's a perpetual launch, too, because that was launched two years before, three years before Over Deliver. And so, you know, that book's still around. I still call Entrepreneur Press to send me boxes of them. I gave them away in one of the, the third-year renewals, Titans Accelerated. They got a copy of Advertising Solution. The first year, they got Over Deliver. But, you know, so books can serve so many good purposes, Um you have to spend a little money if you want to sell more books. But once you have a list, once you, you know, an online family that you can talk about stuff in the book, you can take excerpts from the book, put it in your regular emails, just take an excerpt and then put a link to buy the book. You know, there's so many things you can do. It's content and it's content that can be repurposed. So, you know, all of that said, it was a short question with a very long answer. I apologize. I was going to say, that's the only kind you do, Brian. Long answers to any question. Long answers to any question. But yeah. it's it's something I'm real. you can tell I'm passionate about it because I think it's something that, I, I never say to somebody, it's in my blog when I wrote about it, it's not about everybody should write a book. I, I'm not like that. But, you know, if there's a book in you and you have an objective for it, you owe it to yourself to write a book. Yeah. I want to ask one final question for you, Brian. Hopefully you've got time uh, for us. I know we have a yes, I did. A stop coming up in a few minutes. but I knew I was going to get carried away today. So I book a few I, extra I, minutes. I, I, we we did the same. I, I look at you guys. I just want to talk to you, but I, I'm talking at you, I feel. So one of the things that I don't think we've talked about before with you is what I think is your superpower. You say you're not a copywriter, but you are a connector. You're probably the most connected person in the marketing, certainly in direct marketing that I know. You, I mean, you can get Dan Kennedy to pick up your call or Perry Marshall or Kira Hug. He can pick up yeah. my facts. He can pick up my facts. And I'm curious, like your advice to somebody who wants to get better at that networking relationship building thing that you do so well do you have three or four bullet points for those of us who, who would like to get better at it? I actually had a new epiphany about it just two weeks ago. So I'll, I'll start with this. Chapter 10 of, of, of Over Deliver is playing the long game. And I start, I start the chapter. With, actually, the, there's a quote from Marty Edelston that starts the chapter. It says, life is long. So now you see there's a pattern here. Playing the long game, life is long. And then the first sentence of the chapter is, I hate the word networking. So let's start there. I hate the word networking. The origin of it was when I was uh, 26, 27 years old, I was featured in a direct marketing magazine. You've heard the story before, I'm sure. And I was one of the 30 under 30 because I was still under 30 years old, 30 people to watch in direct marketing. And the title under my name was Strategic Schmoozer. And I almost threw up, you know? It's like, what does schmoozer mean to you? It's like a glad hander, someone who... You know, if the Facebook had existed when that article came out, 
It would be the guy or the woman with the most Facebook friends. That's not who I am. And so that from that day, I knew I was going to have, I had to have a different strategy. If that's the vibe I was giving off, shame on me, because that's not what I meant to give off. But it was really, it was really the hyperbole of the writer. I don't think it was me. At least that's what I'm going to believe anyway. But I, I made it my business to redefine networking. And how I redefined it was that for me, networking is contributing to connect. And it's way different, way different. You have to contribute to everybody in your world at 100-0, not 50-50. I always I said in that chapter in Over Deliver, I've never said I'll meet you halfway. Even in a negotiation, people at boardroom hated me because I never, I always gave more than I got in most negotiations. And if I didn't, and I, I got a windfall, I'd make it up. Copywriters were a good example. I'd make a deal with a copywriter and I'd get a windfall out of it. On the next package, I made it up to them because I can't sleep at night when I'm getting the better end of the deal. When I just want a fair deal. Marty Edelston on his deathbed, I was sitting next to him. Marty Edelston was the founder of Boardroom, my mentor. I'm sitting next to him. He's in and out. He was going to die in a, it's probably two days before he died. And I'm sitting next to him, holding his hand. And I said, I was, he said, he basically said, you know, he, he, he was everything about him, work and play were the same thing. So, you know, tell me what happened at work today, basically, he was asking me. And I told him about some negotiation I was in. And he just said two words. He said, be fair. Be fair. That's all he said to me. And he, I live by that. So how does that relate to networking and connecting? It starts with fairness. It, for, it starts with giving 100 zero of yourself with no expectation of a return. And then whatever you get back is gravy. And the thing is, when you don't expect a return, you get a much bigger return. So the epiphany I had two weeks ago on all of this was a kid stood up, and he was a kid. He was 26 years old. Can I call, a, can I call someone 26 a kid? Yeah, definitely. I, I do. I, I do for sure. Yeah, because yeah, like our kid, you're, you don't have kids that old yet, Kira. I think, I think you do, Rob. I've got one who's almost that old. Yeah. All right. I got a 35-year-old and a 30-year-old. So, But 26-year-old kid stands up, and he, you find out Joe Polish is on stage, and the kid stands up, and, and um, Joe introduces him, actually. He was asking, he, went, he raised his hand to ask a question. We were talking about Joe's book and what's in it for them and all of that. So he raises his hand and Joe says, oh, this guy is doing some genius network youth stuff for us. Um, he's doing some work, you know, with younger um, um, entrepreneurs and things like that. So his question was, I have this network and it's building very fast. And I found I'm really good at it. I'm really good at networking and finding people and all of that. How do I monetize it? Was his question. And my gut said, wow, wrong question, <laughs> obviously. So I'm thinking like, I'm going to go, I wrote this in my blog last week. I, I was going to go find him at the event at some point. And what happened was he, he actually found me at the next break, unbeknownst to me that I, he, he didn't know anything about. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking at him funny or anything. And I wasn't going to yell at him or anything. But he, he taps me on the shoulder and he says, you're Brian Kurtz, aren't you? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm a big fan. I, I read Over Deliver. I love it. I'm so pleased to meet you. I, I saw that you were here and I just had to meet you. So I said, can I take an opportunity? <laughs> of course, I, can I take an opportunity to talk to you about what you shared at, you know, in, inside about monetizing your network? And I really started asking him a lot of questions. 
What do you mean by monetizing? Do you mean money? Do you mean cash? You can get rich on a lot of things besides cash. Um, do, do you, what, what do you contribute to your network? Do you ask people in your network for something when it's an ask that you don't really deserve to be asking yet? And I wanted him to see, and those are some of the bullet points that I'm sharing with you here with your audience. You can see by the answers to those questions, those are the keys to contributing to connect. And it takes time. You got to be patient. You can't say I have a I have a I have a network of 2000 people or even 5000 people at 26 years old and now I'm going to monetize them. It just doesn't work that way. And so it could happen that you'll have a product or a service or but you and then I said, "Oh, I, I one of the questions I asked him is like, do you have some mentors? It sounds like you have some mentors." And at my age, I didn't have as, I didn't have that many yet. So do, do did your mentors choose you or did you choose them? Another big question. If they chose you, you're in great shape. Keep doing what you're doing. If you had to go around asking them to be your mentor, you're going about it the wrong way. So those are the key things in terms of being connected. And so, you know, now I'm 64 years old. I'm, I've been doing this for over 40 years. By doing that, by having, you know, 40 years experience, not one year's experience, but 40 years cumulative experience, not, not one year's experience for 40 years, but 40 years cumulative experience that has ended up with me being the poor man's Joe Polish. So I don't know, hopefully I got to some, some of those bullet points there. It's hundred zero, no, no expectation of return. Contribute before you connect, make sure that you contribute all the time to your network, whatever your network is, treat your list like family. I always call my list, my online family. So if you have an email list, treat them like family. There are ways to get paid from your network that has nothing to do with money. Good bullets. You guys ask good questions. That's why I can go off forever on every one of your questions. The fact is, you know me well. These, you know, We've known each other for a lot of years now. It's like, I guess, at least 10 years I've known you guys or close to it. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's amazing. Again, you know, yes, you're in my network, you know, because, you know, the first time I met you, First time I met Kira was at, I guess, my master class. And you couldn't yeah. come. Yeah, couldn't master come. class. Yeah, right, I wasn't right. able to make it, but Kira was there. And I, I just knew, I think I told you that, I told her this. I knew that she was going to be a star, for one thing. And secondly, I knew that she was going to be someone that was going to be a friend for the rest of my life. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't be sure. You know, she could have she could have abandoned me if she wanted to. Yeah, she, no, she, she's, she's not. not like that. And and, no. and when I met you, I felt the same way. So there, there are certain things that, that happen when you're networking, and I'm putting quotes around that because I hate the word, but when you're contributing, and after you do it for you know decades, I, I kind of know the people I want to be friends with the rest of my life when I meet them. Maybe not the first time. With Kira, I knew the first time. With you, I knew the first time. Some people, it takes two or three times, but I know. I usually know. I was just going to say, I like how Brian, how you have circled back and we've come full circle talking about redefinition and how you have redefined networking so that it works for you. And I feel like that's a great way to wrap after we've come full circle in this conversation. So I just want to thank you for being my my friend and mentor and for being so honest with us as always. And we just... Think so highly of you and are grateful for you. Yeah. So Brian, if somebody's been listening to this podcast 
and they want to connect with you. They want probably the best place is on your list so they can hear about your books, boot camps, all that stuff. Where should they go so they can sign up? Just briankurtz.net. There's an opt-in there. My site is is a lot of free content and it's really easy. If they want to spend $27, I don't make any money on it. Remember my royalty, my royalty has not met my my advance. So I'm not making any money on my book. But if they go to overdeliverbook.com, and especially as copywriters, going there, they'll get them, they'll get become part of my online family automatically. I mean, if they buy the book, they get these amazing bonuses that are all phenomenal for copywriters. There's the there's the Dan Kennedy swipe file from Titans of Direct Response. There's a full day with Perry Marshall on there. There's um, the Ben Savenga bullets in a single PDF that I put together. There's a swipe file going back to 1900 of 400 pages of some of the greatest ads of all time. There are two PDFs of two of the most classic books on direct mail ever written. And don't say direct mail's dead. And you can learn a lot from direct mail for today's marketing. In fact, chapter three of Overdeliver is why paying postage made me a better marketer. And there's two great books, one by Dick Benson and one by Gordon Grossman, two of my direct mail mentors. Full PDF, you can print them out. The books are out of print, can't get them anywhere. Uh, they're there. I have 19 keynotes that Jay Abraham has done on the site at overdeliverbook.com. So the, the, it's just an amazing array of copywriter and marketing resources that you get for free. Plus you get on my list. Plus you get my book, which is a, a decent book. So, so briankurtz.net if you don't want to spend any money and overdeliverbook.com if all those bonuses sound like they're worth like, I don't know, $27 on Amazon. Yeah, they're, they're worth it. And we appreciate, Brian, everything that you have done for us and with us and can't wait to hang out with you again in person. That's the end of our interview with Brian Kurtz. Before we wrap, let's highlight just a couple more things that stood out. So, Kim, obviously, we've been talking about writing a book. Um, I'm curious, like, have you thought about writing? You're writing like a not a writing book. You've got a screenplay going on. Maybe a, do you have a novel? I, I feel like you've told me that you've got a screenplay. So I'm working on my very first screenplay um, and I was struggling along. I mean, making some progress. And then I started doing this really intensive workshop back in late October and it goes through the middle of February. And it's almost like a small mentoring group. Like it's about five people and this guy who's like freaking amazing. So it's like, I'm the mentee and I'm like the newbie and it's really interesting to be, but I've learned learning so much. So yeah, that is one thing I'm working on, but I am planning to work on my first like micro book. Um, I'm going to be actually taking a workshop in January with Vicki Frazier. I don't know if you know her, she's out of the UK and you know, I'm still kind of fleshing through different topics, but yeah, that could lead to a, a bigger book, but yeah, it's definitely something I've tossed around and thought about doing for my business. And I think it would be a great thing to do. You've taken your what's in Kim's mailbox or in inbox, and there's like two volumes, like you've written so much of those. Yes, I yeah, have four books. I know you use those as bonuses for some of the offers that you make. but I actually sell them. I actually sell them, even though people have gotten them for free. I do sell them. I've collect, like I've still got them all in my inbox because uh, you know why, why not hang on to them? But Detailed then I saw piles. Like, oh, you put them all together in books. It'll be much much easier to to access. But so, you know, when it comes to having a book, like so many of us have content, uh, you know, not necessarily that we've created for our clients, but maybe we've created them for ourselves. We've got ideas, we've got frameworks that we've developed in our business, and a lot of that stuff could be, you know, a mini book. Um, and I liked that Brian mentioned a 
things, you know, she was thinking about what, what does it take to make a good book? What do you want to do with your book? What's the objective? What's its purpose? You know, is it just a lead magnet for, for your business? Is it to communicate, you know, bigger ideas? Do you want to be an authority in your space? There's so many really good reasons to write a book. And uh, I, I'm, I'm committing, we're going to, there's going to be a, a copywriter club book this year. Uh, using some of the things that we we've taught in the underground and and uh, the accelerator, but you know about copywriting business, we're committed to that. Um, and in case anybody else is thinking about writing a book, I just want to throw out a couple of resources. People we've talked to on the podcast, we've talked to Laura Gale, who wrote a book called How to Write This Book, which is phenomenal, really good book on writing a nonfiction book. We've talked to Jenny. Jenny Nash. Uh, Jenny Nash is a book coach that we've talked we talked to a while ago. She's written a book called Blueprint for a Nonfiction Book. That's also a great resource. And then uh, we haven't talked to him on the podcast, but uh, recently was recommended by one of our mentors, Todd Brown, a book by Rob Fitzpatrick called Write Useful Books. And all three of those resources, if you're thinking about writing a book, could come in handy and walk through some of those same things that Brian is talking about when we we're talking about writing his book. Well, um, I think that, you know, it's a great thing really kind of wherever you are in your career, but it's amazing how much content most of us have produced that have been doing this stuff. You know, it's like the movie. I remember seeing this movie years ago, Julie, Julia, do you remember that one? And it was a real life story. Unfortunately, the woman um, passed away, I think this this past year. Yeah, Yeah. it's very sad. Um, But she was a young woman. She was, you know, experimenting, working her way through the Julia child cookbook and trying to learn how to cook and you know working as a secretary you know really feeling underemployed in her jobs kind of taking on this whole thing and she started blogging about it and then it turned into this best-selling book and then it became a movie and so i mean sometimes you just never know like you know where you you just start creating content every day like just start doing it and you never know what you're going to have you know a year later you could have the book you could have who knows a tv a a movie That is a fantastic example too, because the I think one of the best ways to get started writing is simply to document what it is that you're doing. You know, document and you know, like what Julie was doing. You know, following these recipes and trying to make them work. Whatever she's simply documenting what she's doing. She's not stepping up and saying, "Hey, I'm an expert at this thing." She's you know, she's not putting herself out there as anything special. She's just simply saying, "Go along this journey with me." And I think there are a lot of copywriters who are doing the same or could be doing the same thing. You know, as they explore things with marketing, things in their niche, uh, um, experiences with their clients and documenting that stuff that someday could add up to, like you said, maybe it ends up being a movie someday. And you never know. I mean, it's again, it's back to my example. When I just started emailing my list, you know, a little just over five years ago, in fact, I'm coming from my five year anniversary of Copy Insiders, um, you know, I didn't really know. I didn't have a game plan. I didn't know what I was doing with it. And then it just led me down all these wonderful things. And I've mentored almost 50 people and I've you know, built a a business with different courses that have helped a lot of people. And it's just, I've met so many new people, you know, as a result of this, and it's just opened a lot of doors. You just never know where it's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Did you want to talk about the connecting versus networking? Yeah. This is maybe the the thing that I would want to end on because as you know, I mean, you've been in Brian's circles for longer, I think, than than we have. Um, But Brian is a connector at heart. I pointed that out. Uh, I mean, 
he, and he talked about his experience, you know, being uh, the um, with the with the sleazy kind of description of you know of him being this you know, networking person or whatever. But I just love how Brian puts people together in different situations. Um, you know, whether it's in his programs, in the mastermind where you know we met you in his mastermind. Um, but he's just so good at making those connections for people, and it's a superpower. I. I, I really admire in him and it's one that I'm trying to develop for myself. Yeah, no. And again, it's, it's don't come from a place of needing something from somebody come from a place of giving, you know, and, and, and I know there's been entire books written on that whole topic, but you know, it, the more you give and the more you reach out to people, the more you show interest in others, you know, this is like a, a Dale Carnegie principle that back when I was um, in my marketing career at Phelps publishing, they sent me to a Dale Carnegie workshop which I'm kind of wondering, hmm, were they trying to tell me something? I don't know, <laughs> but it was incredibly valuable. And again, this is like when I would go to conferences and I, or I'd be, a, you know, schmoozing or the networking, the dreaded networking, right? What I would do is I would just start asking them questions about themselves. I would show interest in them. Hey, so, you know, what's, what's your business like? Or what do you do? And blah, blah, blah. You know, what's the biggest challenge you have right now? How are things going with this? And then you get them talking and they they like you they like you like a lot because you're like asking about them and they get to talk about themselves and most people love talking about themselves and if you're like and then and then it kind of would almost always end like oh yeah what do you do oh you're a copywriter oh wow we could use some copywriters you have a card and that was it that's all i had to do i had to just show interest in the other person ask questions about them you know, I wasn't necessarily giving them anything, but obviously if they had something, I might be like, yeah, you know, one of my, you know, I've seen some of this work or that or whatever, but you know, it's really showing interest and in, in not being coming from a place that I need something. Yeah. That, and I think that's the biggest mistake is, you know, when we get desperate in our business, you know, I need a client, I need to make money, I need to pay the bills. We think, well, I better start networking. And that's the, that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, the networking has to start long before, you know, if you, if you want net, your network to work for you, you need to be giving long before you need something given back to you. And I think that's where Brian's superpower is so good. He's so willing to give, to over-deliver, to you know, coin a phrase that he talks about so often. So a good example, maybe, you know, because sometimes maybe you're, you are needing something and you do have a short time frame. Um, you know, if you've been, let's say, off, you know, sending some of your overflow work to somebody, for example, and then you get, you know, it happens to everybody, you get in one of these spots where you're like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm working on next month. You reach out to those people that you fed some clients to like, hey, you know, actually, you know, I had something open up on my schedule. If you know of anybody, I'd appreciate a referral, you know. But because, again, you've watered that garden, you know, and the flowers can grow. Um, but yeah, you can kind of start to use that that network or that circle of people that you've reached out to and helped when you might need something. So this is an idea that I'll, I'll just throw out there. You know, if people are listening to this and thinking, OK, well, you know, what do I do? Uh, maybe we make a goal this year that every week I'm just going to reach out to one person with not not with a need in mind, but simply just to make a connection, to make a friendship. Uh, and if you do that on a weekly basis, you know, maybe it happens in a group like the Copywriter Underground, maybe it happens in the Copywriter Club, you know, free Facebook group or some other group that you're associated with. But if you do that over the course of a year, you now have 50 people who are friends, who are potential resources, and of course, things that you can help them too. But over the course of a year or two, that becomes an amazing resource that can help grow your business. I think that is an excellent suggestion. And I'm going to add to it. Um, 
you know, not everybody can afford to hire a coach or mentor to review their copy. But one thing you can do and you should do, and I did, you know, early on is you can have a copy buddy and maybe you meet somebody through Accelerator or through one of these programs where you're like, you know, we're kind of at the similar level. Let's help each other out. Right. And maybe it's even just doing some practice copy or whatever it is. And, you know, you're, you're getting feedback from somebody who's getting fresh eyes on it. They're not necessarily a top expert, but, you know, it can help you. And I know two really well-known copywriters who did this early in their careers. You want to know who they were? Yeah, let's hear it. Paris Ampropolis and David Deutsch. Yeah. They well, were copy buddies. Okay. That's kind of where, where I got did they, I mean, Where did they get Well, I think to? they did okay, you know, but I think even they did have a um, an agreement and I, I'm, I'm sure they probably still have this agreement potentially in place till today, but that they would not comp- go up against each other, like for the same client. So like if David was going to write something for bottom line personal and Paris had the control, he'd be like, not going to do it. Right. So, uh, but, but yeah, you, everybody can, you can have a copy buddy. You can have a lot of things you can do. And then, you know, maybe your copy buddy gets overflowed and you're like, Oh, you know, I could use some extra work. Here you go. You know, so you, you become a dangerous combo like Paris and David someday. <laughs> it never hurts to have friends. <laughs> Yeah. And you could do a lot worse than friends like David or Paris or Kim. Exactly. For that one. Well, thank you. Or Rob. We want to thank Brian Kurtz for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to join his email list and connect with him, we're going to link to his website in the show notes. If you buy his book over deliver, you get all kinds of bonuses. You won't want to do it through Amazon. You want to do it on his webpage. And again, we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, it, they're definitely worth it. The bonuses are worth it. The book is fantastic. Uh, and the new books that we've talked about are also good breakthrough uh, advertising mastery. If you want to hear what Brian shared the first two times that he was on the podcast, check out episode number 22 and episode number 219. And I'm going to list off a few more episodes because I mentioned them on the show. Laura Gale, uh, whose book I mentioned, she talked about book writing on episode number 65. Our interview with Jenny Nash was episode number 139. And finally, my co-host for today, Kim Schwalm, was our guest for episodes number 257 and number 40. I know that's a lot of that's a low number. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes to listen to, but uh, you know, over the next couple of days, maybe you can squeeze a couple of them in. They are all really good. And if you want to learn more about the Copywriter Accelerator that I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, head over to thecopywriteraccelerator.com. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And if you're wondering if the accelerator is a good fit for you and you want to talk to someone about it, simply email us at help at thecopywriterclub.com. We'll answer any questions you might have. We promise no sales pitches. We'll just give you the answers that you want. Kim, I want to thank you again for joining me, being here. You also have a list, and it's probably appropriate to mention that here in case anybody wants to. I've already name dropped a few times, but I do have a Copy Insiders list, and you can go to copyinsiders.com, or you can just go to my website and see everything, which is kimschwam.com, K-I-M-S-C-H-W-A-L-M. Dot com. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's the end of this wonderful podcast. I've really enjoyed being on. I want to just give a few credits here. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. Thanks, Kim, for being here with me today. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better, copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob.
As long as you listen through the whole damn episode.